Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An aggressive, all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. Discussing cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film. So, join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question... What do you got? What do you got? All right, you ready? I'm so ready. It's episode 61, Nick. It's the Roger Maris episode. Oh, Roger Maris episode. This episode is not about Roger Maris. No, nor (laughs) Mickey Mantle, nor Barry Pepper, nor Thomas Jane, nor Billy Crystal. Did you cast any of them? Because that would have been funny. That would have been really funny, but no. (laughs) (laughs) I've been on a huge Mad Max kick. And, uh, you know, Thomas Jane is uh, the Punisher. So that that correlates. These are definitely things that are related (laughs) and not the slow descent of your brain. Mad Max and the Punisher are pretty, pretty close. Um, (laughs) I like to think the Punisher Beyond Thunderdome is my favorite movie. (laughs) Okay, yeah, that that I would watch. (laughs) He challenges uh, he challenges Spider-Man. But Spider oh, no. advantage in Thunderdome. I mean, he let's... sure does. He doesn't even need the cables. <laughs> but he has to wear them, so maybe it's actually a disadvantage. Maybe he can't swing as as good with being uh, tethered. You know, there's not no there's no rules in Thunderdome. That's true, except there are rules in Thunderdome. Yeah, they say there's no rules, and then they immediately tell you that the rule <laughs> and then is. They to immediately one tell you. <laughs> yeah, they immediately tell you the rules, and they're like, "There are no rules in Thunderdome, Max. You broke the rules." <laughs> what? Well, that doesn't seem very fair. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, anyone in between, welcome to episode sixty-one of the podcast of What Do You Got? Uh, if you haven't guessed, there is no female voice with us today. It's scheduling, man. You know, people are busy and stuff. Why don't you get off our backs about it? Um, <laughs> stop, ri- stop writing letters to Nick. <laughs> there's, there's nothing we can do about it. If anyone, you should be tweeting at Gifted Faker. It, this is 100% yeah. her fault. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop going to conventions and having a good time. And doing things to progress your career. God, what a jerk. Um, since, since there is no guest, uh, it's just going to be me and my lovely buddy, Robbie. Uh, just just chit chatting, and when I say chit chatting, I mean having a regular episode where we discuss an article and then pitch a movie. Um, we, we could conceivably do a whole episode of what like a third of every episode it actually winds up being, which is just us bullshitting. I I'm fine with that at some point because yeah, I'm also good with doing. I also want to try new stuff, right? Like I want to try things like um, I want to try like uh, maybe pitching a reboot or a remake or something, something that doesn't revolve around an article, maybe a movie we want to see a new version of or something we think would, you know. Be oh, yeah, I, I had a lot age. of uh, ideas for stuff like that before we settled into our like, you know, every 10th episode, a guest kind of thing, which yeah, exactly. uh, reboot was one of them. Pitch a cinematic universe was one of them. Yep. yep. Um, and then uh, just kind of like a really fantastical one I had, which was just an excuse for me to come up with a hypothetical television show in the early 2000s uh, about DC Comics characters, but it's from the same people as 30 Rock. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of uh, comics and cartoons and stuff, Matt and I were discussing um, the other day that he, he said that after watching Thunderdome for the first time for him, he said that uh, he could have easily seen a Mad Max-style Saturday morning cartoon 
um, in in that vein. And I was like, fuck, I really want that now. <laughs> there um, was a period of time where, where things that were not for kids, people were really obsessed with turning them into cartoons and like oh, yeah. kids' properties. Like yeah, Men in Beetle Black Juice. was a cartoon. Yeah. Beetlejuice. Men uh, in Black, especially the comics, people don't realize how dark the Men in Black comics are. Just for reference, in the Men in Black movies, you have the Neuralizer, which is a cool little tidbit where they erase people's minds. They don't do that in the comics. They just murder people. That's <laughs> that's easier. how the Men in Black comics work. There's yeah. no Neuralizer. It's just murder. Murderizer. Um, the, the apex of this is like, for some reason, all of us who grew up in the 90s, yeah. grew up with robocop as yeah. a as a children's figure a like the, the toys yeah, the action figure the sheer the volume of toys. yeah uh i was shoot what was i just gonna say oh oh speaking of um things that we wanted to like test and try and stuff way back when back when i ran my uh film site um above the film which rob wrote for and then later edited for we used to do something called cast in the cradle um which was basically us taking a franchise to reboot or a movie to reboot. It doesn't have to be a franchise, uh, but with our Dreamcast for it. Uh, so we did that type of thing. And that, that'd be an interesting thing to kind of jump back into trying to do a cast oh, yeah. in the cradle. We did one for Indiana Jones. We did, I think we did Fantastic Four at some point. <laughs> we did a couple of them. Uh, those were fun. And I would, I'd be interested in trying something like that. Cause we could even pitch like, not that I'd want to do Indiana Jones cause it's been done to hell and they're doing the fifth one right now. But like, for example, Indiana Jones as a reboot, we can pitch the film and the story plus who we would get to play those characters. That'd be an interesting thing to take. Maybe we do that for next episode. I mean, there's no, it's our show, right? There's no rhyme or reason to like formatting. Well, they it has to only be us. episodes that start in five. Like <laughs> try, try and stop us. <laughs> People just stop listening. All right. They stopped us. <laughs> yeah. <There>. Shit. <laughs> Called my uh, bluff. I guess, yeah. I guess, uh, I guess we're eating our own feces, and I think that's the phrase. You um, know, I don't think it is, <laughs> but now it is. Uh, so this episode, I'm sorry, I'm saying um a lot this episode. Um, I haven't finished my um coffee, so I apologize. This episode, this article is really interesting. Uh, it is from 2017. Uh, it is titled The First Woman to Interview a President Got Him in the Nude. This is from the website observer.com. As always, the link will be in the description of the episode. But this article was kind of it was kind of uplifting at the same time while being like, ah, it didn't really work out for her. That's upsetting. No, but I'm, yeah. just gonna, <laughs> but I'm just gonna read because it goes through it and you'll see as we read through this because I'm just gonna read this one again it's a, it's shorter but it goes through it and you're kind of like oh nice things are starting to work out for her and then suddenly it's like oh no it didn't because society is horrible yeah so <laughs> so I'm just gonna read through this one starting at the top I hate the first two words Donald Trump's relationship with the media could be described as strained that's not a new thing for the presidency since the founding of our nation the commander-in-chief has jousted with the press george washington hated the partisan press of his day so much that he canceled all of his newspaper subscriptions when he took office how did they do subscriptions back in the 1700s how how uh i would have to assume that like you know you either to the people who go around delivering papers or go to the office and would like pick up their dough before they give you your add your name or... to a role. Yeah. 
That's that's interesting. I always think about that type of stuff. Like it's so easy for us to do like subscription based things nowadays, right? You have your bank account linked, you have your phone, you have websites and stuff. But like back then, how the fuck did you do subscriptions? Like it's well, just he was also a very prominent man, so he wasn't the kind of guy who was George be, Washington, dude. Yeah, I don't think he was that famous. He wasn't gonna be going out on the street and <laughs> buying a newspaper. It was gonna be they weren't like mm, we don't we don't know your 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 finance record. Yeah. We don't know if you're gonna be able to afford this subscription. Yeah. And one of his slaves <laughs> would answer the door and then put it on the table for him. <laughs> Uh, in the 1940s, James K. Polk was infuriated when the papers pushed back on the war with Mexico. And we all know how a pair of curious reporters with an inside source brought down Richard Nixon. That'd be a fascinating article. We should pitch a movie about taking down Richard Nixon, about like all the men of the president or something. Mm, like some untamed uh, wilderness <laughs> there, yeah. <laughs> Imagine we do that one day, or like we were just completely oblivious to like all the president's men, or like a yeah. big name, like Shawshank Redemption, like a Ben Hur. We're just like, oh, I found this like awesome story of this character named spartacus and i feel like we could pitch a movie around that <laughs> it's like way back in history i don't think anybody knows about it <laughs> so presidents are justifiably careful about who they talk to access to a solo interview with the most powerful man in the country is a badge of honor for a journalist it's proof that they're to be taken seriously but when Anne Newport Royal tried to meet with John Quincy Adams and became the first newspaper woman to interview the president uh, i'm sorry to became blah, became the first newspaper woman to ever interview a sitting president. She had to do something not quite so serious. Royal was raised in a log cabin in Western Pennsylvania and endured hardships that made her a fierce competitor with a thirst for justice. When her husband, Major William Royal, passed away in 1813, she sold off his land and used the money to travel the country. Unfortunately, the major's family filed suit, claiming that he and Anne had never been officially married and that this was all a forgery. The court sided with them, leaving Royal flat broke and needing a new occupation. During her travels, she'd been taking notes and interviewing the people she met, eventually compiling them into a book. But Royal was thirsty for a bigger change. Sorry, challenge. She found it in Washington, D.C., where she'd moved temporarily while attempting to claim her husband's military pension. While there, Royal set her sights on the most powerful man in the land, President John Quincy Adams. Royal wanted to be the first woman ever to get an interview with the president, but Adams wasn't particularly enthused about talking to a wandering widow, and his office politely rebuffed her. Like any good reporter, Royal did her homework. The gossip around Washington, this is where it gets fun. The gossip around Washington was that President Adams enjoyed bathing in the nude in the Potomac River that ran behind the White House. His watery excursions happened every morning at 5 a.m. Imagine that happening today, like forgetting about paparazzi and stuff. <laughs> just the president just yeah. biden just <laughs> oh the times before the secret service were wild but uh, i believe uh, i believe roosevelt did this uh, as well uh teddy teddy oh really which is the 1900s sense. yeah that's the 1915 it was around he was it was uh, before the 1920 right before before yeah. yeah his watery excursions happened every morning at 5 a.m so royal staked out the park property and managed to catch the president in the act still smarting at his refusal to grant her an interview royal gathered up john Qu president john quincy adams clothes and sat on them essentially trapping the president in the cold waters of the potomac until he consented to talk with her when adams finally gave in royal stood up turned her back and let him dress in dignity john quincy adams was impressed by royal's pluck and wrote a letter to congress advocating for her to receive her late husband's pension it worked but the Major's family sued her for that, too. The poor woman was left worse off. 
but her success had emboldened her to pursue a journalistic career at the time when the industry was almost entirely male. Royal moved to Washington, D.C. full-time in 19, I'm sorry, 1831, setting up a printing press in the living room of her house to publish Paul Pry, a weekly newspaper that took aim at fraud and corruption in Washington. The pioneering reporter, who once caught the emperor with no clothes on, turned her gaze towards stripping away the remnants of the elected. Later renamed The Huntress, the paper became an icon of Washington. Elected officials tried to bribe her to bury stories, and others paid postal workers to not deliver issues to people on their <laughs> route. But Royal persisted. She had never been one to mince words, no matter how much trouble it got her in. Like most cutting-edge journalism, though, it didn't make much money, and Royal had to hire orphans to do the typesetting, as they were the only ones who would work cheap enough. And <laughs> Anne Newport Royal died in 1845, 1854. God damn my dyslexia. At age 84, considered by many... To be the first female newspaper woman in the United States, she battled through prejudice and adverse adversity, but more importantly, she showed that every subject had a soft spot. Favorite line in the article, sometimes you just had to strip them down to see it. Hey. Applause, K. Thor Jensen, the author <laughs> of this article, which is another fantastic name. Great name. Um, but you get what I'm saying about this being like, oh, yay, look at her. The president was like, no, give her the money. But then the family was like, wait, no, we don't want to. And the law was like, oh, no, it's OK. That's She's like a Coen Brothers character. It's You know what it basically is? There's a there's an episode of Bob's Burgers where Gene is trying to get chunky blast offs back into production after they change them. Do you, I don't know how much of Bob's Burgers, you know, I think I've seen um, that one. So throughout the episode, he's trying to get into the board so that he can talk to them and be like, change it back to the way it was. The candy was much better. The packaging was much better. He kind of riles up this board and they're like finally behind him. They're like, all right, he did it. Let's do it, sir. Get me a uh, get me a comparison of how much it would cost to put the old chunky blast offs back on the shelves. And the guy goes, OK, I can get you that. Uh, it'll be somewhere in the vicinity of ten million dollars. And, and the chairman just goes, oh, well, then, no, that's ridiculous. Never mind. <laughs> it's just it's something <laughs> that's what it kind of feels like to me of them yeah. being like, yeah, you did it. Oh, no, we're not going to do that. It's, it's going to inconvenience me. <laughs> You can reach for the stars all you want, man, but there's still Earth right under your feet. <laughs> That's a good line. Um, this this article is is interesting because it, it's just kind of got that positivity vibe while also not having much positivity around no. it. She completed <laughs> her objective. She did what she set out to do. She started her own journalism company and then also got destroyed financially and had to hire orphans to to typeset for her. And it's just it's a fascinating combination of information. And I, I, I enjoy the thoroughly uh, succinct article that they put together for this one. There's not a lot of um, like long term wins in the history yeah. of journalism. <laughs> yeah, it's very like, fair. I was reading about the first newspaper ever published in the United States was called Public Occurrences uh, hmm. up in Boston in the 1600s. I guess this would be before the nation was founded. And they got like one copy or one issue of it out, I should say, before the governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony was like, no, you're speaking about the government in like ill terms. So this is not <laughs> in the public interest. This. We're going to take your press away. This is the 1600s. There's not yeah. like, who, who are you going to complain to? <laughs> You're not going to fight the power. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah. You're not well, going on Twitter. <laughs> there's not, you don't technically have rights. It's yeah, like, are we there's English? No, are we there's not? no country. I mean, yeah. what did you expect? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> For the first hey, we're going to take this. We don't like what you're doing, so we're going to make you stop. 
Oh. Well. Uh, shucks. All right. <laughs> That's I basically think, what it comes down to. <laughs> I think my favorite part of the whole article is not is not even her like, you know, stealing the president's clothes and making a naked old man agree to an interview. <laughs> I think it's her her initial attempt of just like showing up at the White House and some aide walks into the president's office like, "Sir, there's some lady loose loose woman <laughs> loose here." <laughs> wanting an interview like a prostitute no no loose like there's nobody with her she's just sort of wandering around are you sure it's not a prostitute my godfather was benjamin franklin it's entirely possible it's a prostitute. oh god it could be my godmother then uh. or my or his daughter because ben franklin sired half of the country the genghis khan of america really. yeah true um uh. Oh, did you have something to say? No, we both just said um at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm throwing in a lot of ums today. I apologize. I believe uh, the way we started doing this now, we we actually flipped it because I think I went back. So episode 60, we it's been so long since we did an episode that we were like, who goes first? I don't remember. And you said it's it, the onus is on the person who pitches the article, right? I'm pretty sure every episode before that, we did it where the person who pitched the article goes last. But I like the way you pitched it better. And I want to change the format for that now, where it is on the onus of the person who. I'm I'm, I'm going to go back and see because I don't feel like we ever would have that would have made sense to us in the first place. Of like, I don't know. I mean, all we have to do is literally go to any episode before yeah. sixty, and we'll find it. And I'm sure there are people listening right now. They're like, hey, "Guys, are idiots." It's obvious. Oh, we listen, guys. We don't listen to our own episodes. Rob edits them, puts them together, and then we throw them out. That's why a lot of the yeah. times we're like, oh, what was the... Did we ever pitch this? We're, have yeah. we cast this person? It's, We've done it's 60 a, of these. Yeah. It's it's the Orson Welles thing yeah. of like, how many times have you seen Citizen Kane? Yeah. Well, technically none, because <laughs> I, I left the premiere. I don't really want to... It's done. I don't want to watch it. Thousands yeah. of times in the edit room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's it, There's something it's the same as like being in a show or in a movie like i completely understand actors who are like johnny depp who's like i don't watch my own stuff but for me it's not like it's and i don't think it is for him either i can't speak for the gentleman but um for me it's not like oh god i don't want to see myself because i'll find things that i could have done better for me it's just like i finished that that's that that's part of my past and i want to move on not in like a negative way but you know what i mean like mm -hmm. if i film something or if I do a stage production or, or voiceover work, if we're doing any recording or something, I'll listen to my part just to be like, okay, I got that. But I'm never going back and like, oh, let's put this on and listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad enough in the edit. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not usually major characters in the ones that I produced for our audio dramas. Right, right. But like the times that I, I have had to like really sit down and edit myself and hate it. Like I played Shazam in yeah. Kingdom Come. And having to go through, like, me doing 20 different takes of the word Shazam. Oh, yeah. Like, I started to physically cringe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kingdom Come was the first. Dude, I had a lot of trouble with Kingdom Come because for me, as as being cast as Batman, I was like, I want to do my own thing, but I want to pay homage to Kevin and I don't want to copy him. So I had a lot of trouble listening to myself while mm -hmm. while we finalized Kingdom Come because I just I didn't want to do that to myself you know we were in the wild west with that as, as we actors were. and producers we were and obviously as we progressed and went further 
down that path, we've uh, definitely tightened and strengthened our production value for sure. Oh, yeah. um, including the, you know, acting, the editing, the sound mixing and stuff with you and Jeremy oh, doing that stuff. Hell yeah. It, Just yeah, it, it, got, <laughs> the equipment. it got a thousand times better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. The equipment, right? Like right now we are recording on microphones that are leagues better than anything we had in what, when did we do kingdom come 2014, 2013, that uh, 2015. Maybe? Uh, I want to say 2013. Cause I think I was still at school for part of it. Oh yeah. Because we did record at Montclair. Mm-hmm. We recorded some, we recorded a couple of them at Montclair. We also recorded uh, the green Hornet one. Yeah. Which that's that was... one I have. That's one I have purposely never listened to because I found the voice for my green Hornet midway through recording. Mm. So I, I never want to listen to that because I know listening to the first half, it'll sound like this and listening to the second half, it'll be something completely different. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, Oof, God, no, thank you. <laughs> Well, let's stop criticizing our past selves and get to work uh, making new things to criticize. Yeah, let's criticize our future selves. Um, (laughs) Nick, uh, in terms of this uh, history-making lady, what do you got? Nothing. See ya. (laughs) Closing time. (laughs) So I I have an interesting movie here. I do not have a title. I could not for the life of me think of a title. So Uh I'm going to put that on you to do. Uh, But what I did was I stayed pretty faithful to this article because I'm fascinated by this woman and what she was able to accomplish. Uh, What I did was I changed the setting a little bit to the early 20th century. So the early 1920s. And what I've done here is sort of a, I forget the term, but you know how in like Bridgerton or is it in the help too, where there's a character who writes an art, like a gossip column that no one knows mm-hmm. who the actual person who writes it is. That's oh, sort of okay. the the route I went here. Um, my movie is going to be directed by Ryan Johnson, and uh, my lead female, my my journalist, uh, is Rashida Jones. Then I have two other cast members. I'll explain in a second after I get to the the plot. But basically, what it is is the early twentieth century, and there's a woman who is kind of it's not a gossip column, but she's that type of journalist where no one actually knows who she is, mm-hmm. and there's no like photo evidence of her because of the way she goes about her job. So what it is is she finds ways to secretly interview prominent interview or discover information about prominent figures uh, in the country and. The way she does that is by basically eavesdropping on people or holding people captive, similar to the way that she did with John Quincy Adams, right? But for her not being in the room with them, I had the idea of like basically locking someone in a room and then interviewing them while she's not in the room. Like she's behind the door, so they don't know what she looks like. So (laughs) journalism saw? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Journalism jigsaw, baby. Um, Her pen name is Marie Havoc. And while she goes through doing this, I have her situated in uh, a, a, a historical moment in time, which is Al Capone's soup kitchen. And I'm rewriting history to where she helps basically uh, get Al Capone arrested. So mm. she she has something to do with his tax evasion and things like that. I'm doing a bit of an inglorious bastard. We're rewriting history. Huh. Uh, the reason Al Capone's Soup Kitchen came up, I don't know if you watched this episode, Rob, but uh, Max Miller's Tasting History did one on it, and it was mm-hmm. fascinating. Um, yeah, I'm caught up on him. 
Okay, cool. I, I, I'm not sure if ever anyone out there listens to him. I believe we might have talked about it before. I'm pretty sure we have. Max Miller's Tasting History on YouTube is a fantastic channel where he recreates dishes from history. So either ancient history, more modern history. One of the last ones he did was medieval French toast. But he goes into the history of those things That's as well. so fucking hungry. Oh it's, my God. Dude, the French toast one was so good. I'm yeah. so glad I pre-ordered his book. Um the the Al Capone soup kitchen one is really interesting because he made one of the soups, but he goes into the history of the soup kitchen and how Al Capone was actually favorably liked by Chicago because of the, you know, sort of charity moments that he did for people. So my character is basically going to um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like she's going to expose. Yes, but she goes into it and pretends to like work there and shit. What, what oh, am I, what's wow. the word it's a very uh, simple undercover? word yeah undercover we'll go with that because i'm not spending time thinking infiltrate about infiltrate is the word i was looking for thank you sir uh she no one understands the depths of nick's dyslexia <laughs> like me yes it's true <laughs> um so she infiltrates al capone's soup kitchen which helps in turn kind of bring his issues to to light i don't think he's gonna get it because he doesn't actually get arrested for the first time until i think the 30s right uh, the dates in my head are 31 and 33. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's about right. So, well, I mean, during the great depression is when he started the soup kitchen, which started in 29. So that, that could add up. We'll have mm. her be a part of that. Um, for my cast, I have Steve Carell playing Rashida Jones is basically like editor. Like it's a small operation where, you know, similar to the true story kind of like out of her house. So maybe Steve Carell is her husband or something. Um, but for Al Capone, I'm actually very proud of this casting. I've cast Stephen Graham. Oh, from he played him on Boardwalk Empire. Oh, he did. That's so funny. Did he? I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, that, that was the first time of like a weirdly many amount of times that Hollywood has has made this small British man an Italian-American. <laughs> yeah, they do it a lot. Because <laughs> he's really good at it. He's fantastic. He's an amazing character. I, I've never seen Boardwalk Empire, so I actually had no idea that he played him. Yeah, he's uh, uh, he's in the, the whole show from when Al's kind of like a younger guy uh, working for another boss to when he becomes the head of the syndicate. Okay, I'm looking it up to, just because I want to see indictment. some photos. I wanna see. Um, I'm not he's, changing he's, my casting. <laughs> yeah, he, he'll do. He it. will play him uh, again. <laughs> he's great. He's great on the show. It's see, he makes Al into like a really full character. Nice. Uh, I need to watch that show. I've yeah. heard it was very good. Learned some interesting things about Capone. Like his son was deaf, and he was like really, oh. really defensive and a good dad about that. Stephen Graham also just recently in the Matilda musical movie was fantastic as well. Yeah, um, he was perfect for that. <laughs> him and I think the wife was uh, Andrea Riceboro, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, who is apparently in hot water for her Oscar nomination. I have not paid attention to what's going on there. It's um, weird and should not be happening. Yeah, uh, but I... Okay, so that's cool. Uh, he's going to be reprising his role of Al Capone, which means now my movie takes place in the universe of Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> so this is this is a synecdoche of, of exactly what we were just talking about at the beginning of the show, of like, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if we accidentally pitched an already famous yes. movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we literally just did it in the episode we discussed it about. Yeah. Um, but that's that's basically my premise. She infiltrates the soup kitchen and starts helping bring down Al Capone. She has a reputation, or at least her name, her pen name has a reputation, since no one knows what she actually looks like or what her real name is. Um, 
but that's basically my pitch without a title because I couldn't think. I was trying yeah. to think of like soup puns and everything I came up with. The only soup puns I could think of were like fucking something with miso soup. And I was like, well, I don't think Al Capone served miso soup. Uh, boiled over. <laughs> boiled over. I don't mind. Isn't that a uh, isn't that a John Woo movie? That's that hard boiled. Hard boiled. OK, I was like, that feels like a John Woo movie. Yeah um but that is my pitch so now rob i'm interested to know what your pitch might possibly be so i'm going to ask you a question which involves four words and those words are what do you got i I just want to say first of all i like your pitch a lot i am a sucker for a good journalism story thank you sir Uh, i know you i know you are yeah spotlight and the like um which i still have yet to see actually it's very 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 good Um, that's the one about the church right yeah, it's about the Spotlight News team at the Boston Globe newspaper. They're essentially the best investigative unit in the country. Hmm. Um, and they take like a long time on projects. It's like Ruffalo uh, and Keaton, isn't it? Yeah, Ruffalo is like kind of the, the, the more lead investigator. Keaton is their editor uh, for that division. Okay. Uh, you know, as someone who grew up um, Catholic and, and all of that sort of happening during that, that period of my life, it was... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it was good to reflect on that and get certain degrees of closure on, on what it was like to be in that culture. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because when does that movie take place? Was that is that like the early 2000s? Is that a more modern film or is that like the 80s? Well, yeah, they they made it uh, in 2015. But the actual spotlight story that was published in The Globe, um, which I believe they won the Pulitzer Prize for, was back in 2000. 2002 2003 okay yeah so it was a long time coming this movie but uh, you know one thing one thing i really like seeing nowadays is like if you watch a movie that was made in the 80s and it takes place in the 50s 60s or something like that there's not a lot of tell from our perspective but if we watch a movie that was made today that takes place in the early 2000s it's so obviously glaring the differences just because of how far technology and industry has has ad, advanced yeah. and like it's it's just interesting seeing things like like uh in the spoiler alert in the final destination 5 movie when i saw that in theaters cuz they they foretell its twist being a prequel to the first movie which means it takes place in 1999 they foretell those things by having like gift certificates that expire but one of the characters has an old flip phone and i was like why is this so out of place? Why does this man have a like a 90s flip phone in this movie? I'm so confused. And it's, <laughs> it, there's so many glaring tells today because of technology about like, you can't hide that stuff. You can't yeah. hide something having taken place in 2002. There's nope. too much. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I really like that movie Phone Booth with Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. And increasingly <laughs> as time goes on, like I cannot even begin to explain this movie to like, <laughs> my brother <laughs> yeah yeah it's such a fascinating film so yeah. pitch me your movie yes um <laughs> so i i went left field um because i feel like the last couple of times i've done a little i've been a little bit on the nose with the pitches okay um so my movie's called the big man and okay. uh, ooh, excuse me I gross don't <laughs> do that and uh because i am always uh, fully capable of being bitchy about professional wrestling that's the world that i set it in <laughs> <laughs> in a uh i want to do kind of a mockumentary style uh which is why my director is rob reiner uh of course okay. director of this is spinal tap yeah um and for my cast uh 
well, I'll go through the plot and I'll tell you who plays each character. So the this takes place in sort of like the late eighties, the early nineties period, maybe okay. mid nineties. Um, ben Stiller is the the multimillionaire owner of a wrestling promotion, um, and he's honestly a very thinly veiled Vince McMahon. I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that he's not. Um, Just you know, a short Vince McMahon. Yeah, he's he's a manic weirdo who's obsessed with controlling every aspect of his show. Um, his chief star uh, in in the show, who has probably been the champion for too long, uh, is Chris Hemsworth, uh, which I thought would be funny because he's going to be playing Hulk Hogan in a movie. <laughs> oh, is he really? Oh, I think yeah. I did know that, actually. Yeah. I'm so excited to see him with the stupid fucking mustache. That should be fascinating. Um, side, side note, before we continue, I don't want to talk about it right now, but we need to talk about the Tetris trailer. Did you watch it? I have not. Uh, I will watch it live with you on this call after we finish the episode. Yes. <laughs> um, who else is it, I guess? Um, so the general plot of this is that it's a very famous uh, wrestling company, uh, okay. the biggest one in the world. And uh, Ben Stiller's daughter, played by Elle Fanning, uh, kind of joins up with the family business. Uh, and it's a bit from her perspective in this mockumentary style. Like she, she's brought in a camera crew. She's like very sort of new media. Is she supposed to be like a uh, what's her face? Vince's daughter? Or is she just like... that was that was probably the springing off point in my head with Stephanie McMahon, but Stephanie, not in terms of being similar characters, personality or anything. OK, yeah, she's very new media, very business oriented. She brings along a camera crew everywhere she's going to kind of document how things are backstage. Ben Stiller's not into okay. this because, you know, they like to maintain the illusion, illusion. um yeah. there's a uh, an up-and-coming young star who's really really popular with the fans and has a rabid fan base that i want to be played by reggie jean page or Reg- reggie jean Re- page, i'm not sure how to say yeah uh, oh, i'm sorry no no it's a it's a hard g reggae the reggae jean page there it is yeah it's it's hard it's hard for me to get the rhythm of it <laughs> yeah um, it's hard for me being dyslexic and seeing words and not knowing the pronunciation <laughs> yeah uh, also, my French is poor. Uh, my cast is rounded out by his uh, his manager will be played by Tyler Perry, um, just so I can Dude. I can write my own Tanner Bolt character. Tyler Perry is always a pleasant surprise when I see him in a film. Yep, it's it's just ridiculous. I've I've never seen a Medea movie. I've never seen a single one. <laughs> Anytime have, he shows up in a movie, I've I'm seen like, them all. Yay. Have you? <laughs> I've seen every Medea. This came up at a house party here where everyone was confronting me about it, essentially. And I'm like, yes, I will regularly go to a movie theater and be the only white person <laughs> watching. Wait, should I watch the Medea movies? Are they good? I don't know. Okay. You've seen all of them and you're not sure. I know that I like them. <laughs> I know And I know that, that I them. deeply, deeply offended our friend Danielle because a couple of years ago she had said to me, Rob, do you want to go see Tyler Perry's Boo and Medea Halloween with me? And I said no at the time, and I revealed at this dinner party that the reason I said no is not because I was not interested. It's because I saw it the Thursday (laughs) night it opened at midnight. You go see Medea movies at midnight? Just that one time. (laughs) And it was a great crowd. (laughs) Dude, that makes me so happy. From now on, you need to invite me to your Medea premieres. Or it, it might it might have been the first Medea Halloween. I can't I can't remember if it was the first or second one, but yeah. Um, Is so it yeah, like I love Big Tyler Mama's Perry. house or something like that? That's the only thing I can like you know equate what? it to. Yes. Okay. If if you if you grow up with a very uh a very powerful female presence in your family life, Medea mm. makes a lot of sense. Uh and I had a lot of those. 
I don't think I did. <laughs> Your mom is sweet. Fam. Your mom is sweet, but she's my not mom's like a sweetheart, but overpowering. She's not powerful. Yeah, she's yeah. like four foot nine. <laughs> my mom is my mom is a hurricane. Your um, yes, your mom is absolutely yeah, <laughs> and I had some great grandmas too. So that was that was uh, it, it, it all kind of gels for me. But yeah, I love putting Tyler Perry in things, and I did as uh, <laughs> as a manager uh, for wrestling fans. I'm thinking of him as kind of a Paul Heyman or a Bobby the Brain Heenan type of character. I know Paul Heyman. I don't know the second guy. Yeah, Bobby was great. He was a bad guy. Um, ah. So in the course of, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my list. There's in the course of Elle Fanning, um, kind of like getting to know the company and figuring out what her position is going to be in this. And this is all centered around the lead up to like their big show at the garden, which I can't call WrestleMania. <laughs> Did you come up with a, with a, a federation name a, or like a wrestler name for reggae or anything like that? Do you have um, any character names or I, I didn't, I didn't come up with character names um, just because that would require an amount of research just for the sheer volume of wrestling <laughs> names that are already taken. That's true. That's <laughs> very that fair. Because the minute I start talking about wrestling on a podcast and I go, I guess I'll call my character. Uh, I wanted to be something flashy. I'll call him the flash man. And then somebody's be like, actually in 1982 for about three months, there was, <laughs> that was one of Mick Foley's aliases. <laughs> it's entirely possible. I love you, Mick. Um, <laughs> So as, as she's getting to know like what her role in the company is going to be and how things work behind the scenes, she uncovers that the reason that Chris Hemsworth is such like a fucking barnacle attached to the championship and is always at the the forefront of things, despite people being very much over his character uh, <laughs> in the way people were starting to be with Hulkamania in the 90s, uh, <laughs> is because he has an enormous amount of blackmail evidence on Ben Stiller. Uh for things that uh, are legally distinct from what Vince McMahon did. <laughs> um, uh, probably over the credits, I would put a bunch of Polaroid pictures of like a f- just a nude Ben Stiller in the back of a limousine uh, in like a figure four leg lock from a bunch of hookers. Can, <laughs> we, like can we have can we have Ben Stiller use the catchphrase, not my body, not my problem? Because... That's very Oof. evident of anything Vince McMahon does when someone gets injured or dies in his corporation. One hundred percent. Yeah, he's a murderer and a rapist. Um, <laughs> I, I did that. not mean to laugh at that. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> laugh at him. He's a joke. Uh, so yeah, that's that's a, a pretty good catchphrase. I can see him using that. So yeah, <laughs> she discovers that the reason that uh, Reggae's career is not um, gone the way it should have been is because of this blackmail. Uh, the Emperor truly not having clothes in a literal fashion. <laughs> in the scenario and um her uh doing what's called in wrestling a big swerve in the main event of the of the big show uh and finagling away for uh for our, our hero to take the title off of chris hemsworth hmm. bringing okay. in a new era of professional wrestling a new world order if you would okay so i i love the idea i'm not sold on the mockumentary and i think it's because in order to Shoke, I don't know, because if you have it where the audience finds out everything at the same time as the characters, then it works for a mockumentary. But for Mm -hmm. some reason, as you pitched this, I was getting more of a Steven Soderbergh impression, like the informant. Ooh, you may have you may have just sold me. I I don't know why, but I for some reason I was getting that style like. 
Soderbergh has a very distinct style, and I, I was feeling that. Yeah, it's hard to put pitch. to words, but it's, it it's, really it's, it's intimate while still feeling slightly like you're watching true events. Yeah, and it's also got like a little bit of maybe like a Coen Brothers feel in terms of comedy or subtlety. Oh, yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've seen The Informant. I got to check that out. It's just a yeah. hard watch. <laughs> yeah, I might actually rewatch that today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> why not man um so yeah i like that a lot as an idea i guess like the reason i had initially gone with mockumentary is because my favorite parts of spinal tap are them like just sort of backstage at shows or wandering around or in dressing rooms or in green rooms and all these different places and i like that kind of vibe just be- like the activity of behind a show but you really don't have to do a mockumentary to do that now that i'm right. thinking about it so I apologize in advance to everybody listening and Rob, I've never seen Spinal Tap. Oh, it's such a good movie. Yeah, I've I I have trouble with mockumentaries. Um mm-hmm. and I really don't know why. I, I was never a fan of like Best in Show. I didn't mm-hmm. like waiting for Guffman. Is that what yeah, it's that's that's the same cast as Spinal Tap, but they're directed by Christopher Guest. Uh, yeah. Spinal Tap was directed by Rob Reiner, who has a bit of a different sensibility. Yeah, I do. I mean, I like Rob Reiner, so I'd probably. Um, it's have just a it's it's such it. a the fact that it's mostly improv is like it's astounding to sit there and be like, this is banger line after banger line after banger line, and they're maintaining good characterization. It's a lot of people at the top of their game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely check it out. No reason yeah. not to. It's like ruined friendships for people who will like <laughs> hype up Spinal Tap for years. Is it? Is like, it a? Is it? Is it one of those type of movies where you either love it or hate it? No, I think it's objectively one of the best comedies ever made. It's just really? the problem okay. is people keep saying that. It's like, <laughs> dude, you got to watch Breaking Bad. It's the best show. Oh, got to watch it. Breaking Bad. It's the best show. You're gonna love it. Every character's badass. <laughs> Funny enough, I didn't care for Breaking Bad either, but I only watched the first season. It's really easy to start watching that show with your arms crossed because yeah, because of that. Don't Absolutely. shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the reason I never watched Game of Thrones until recently. I say yeah. recently, but we've been going through it for like a year and a half. Just <laughs> Megas had your your thumbs in a vice for a while yeah. over that one. <laughs> Although I like it, I do like it. Um, it's a well made show. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I. I I don't know. It's it's such a hipster reaction, but there are a lot of things where, like, when it's shoved down my throat, I just I I'm not gonna watch it out of spite, basically. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a very human thing. I mean, like you know, even on the other side of it, you and I had this like tremendous experience at Disney World of going on the Avatar uh, yeah. flight of passage ride. Yeah, and how like it was incredibly moving. I think we were crying. Yeah, <laughs> um, and we kept <laughs> hyping it up to Matt, and then Matt was kind of like. Yeah, that was, that was right. <laughs> yeah, that, that hurt my heart so much. Yeah, you know, you and I were like devastated. Like, all right, I guess maybe Matt can go home early. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's put this one together because we're yeah. already at forty minutes and we have not. Fuck it, we have not put this one together yet. We're having a good time. That's important. Um, I, Steven Soderbergh and Ryan Johnson could be a very interesting duo. Um. <laughs> So here's the deal. I'm I I love your idea for going with like the fake wrestling thing. Yeah. Um. I wanna I wanna go that route. I think my setting is is good because it challenges us not to do exactly what was in the article. Right. I like your premise a bit more as to what the female lead is doing. So how do you want to bring that in? Do we want to 
can we bring in maybe maybe it is a journalist who starts as like a writer for the wrestling show yeah yeah like she's she's gonna write a book either that or i was gonna say she's writing episodes like freddie prince jr oh yeah that's definitely what she's doing at the company but i think she's secretly writing oh yes 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 yes. a tell-all um so now i actually have a new title to propose Ooh, okay. Uh, if it's not taken, I'm just gonna Google it real quick in okay. case I am an absolute I do that, fool. I do that every time I come up with it because I came up with the title Courier for mine, and I was like, "Fuck, Benedict Cumberpatch just made that movie like two years ago." <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. All right. So this is the name of a video game. So I think we're in the clear. Uh, okay. I want to call it the Fall Guys. <laughs> I do like Fall Guys, the video game. <laughs> yeah. We'll put a the in front of it so it's legally distinct. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys. wrestlers, scapegoats, fall guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, are we going to... Do we go with Soderbergh? I I think I think you caught lightning in a bottle with that one. That was a really yeah. good idea. Let's go with Soderbergh. Is, is he PH or is he V? Uh, hmm, I uh, believe he's V. I was just on a page with him. Nope, there it is, the informant. He's he's V. He's V, yeah. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh. Okay, so I say mm, I love Rashida Jones, but I'm actually into the idea of Elle Fanning kind of being the the catalyst. Yeah, she's got that kind of ingenue vibe to her. Yeah. Um, okay, so Elle Fanning. Uh Ben Stiller, obviously. Your your cast is staying. We'll just keep them all. Ben Stiller, Chris <laughs> Hemsworth. I want Stephen Graham to be our 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 commentator. Ooh, yes. Well, our, then you know our, what? Let's just do. JR. <laughs> let's do Stephen Graham and Steve Carell as the commentators. Yes, and they can be like. I think Stephen Graham is going to be like a very Jesse the Body Ventura kind of guy. <laughs> Tyler Perry, Stephen Graham is a pretty big cast. Steve Carell. Yeah. Okay. We have our cast. Let's put this together. Yeah. So, so we we definitely want to go with the ex- exposing, not just the way the business works, because this is still in a period where people can believe that it's real. Yeah, because we're we're um, gonna do like the early '90s, right? Yeah. Basically, like right before Attitude Era, I would say. Yeah, the business didn't really get exposed to like the general public in a way that everybody knows. Until I'm gonna say around '97, so yeah, right before the Attitude Era started. Yeah, I'd say like WWF No Mercy was kind of the first intro for a lot of kids. Yeah, it was for yeah. me. It was for <laughs> me. Um, oh, definitely. So, I, with, with your pitch, are, are you imagining Chris as kind of a douchebag, as kind yes. of like a okay? So he's like a hot, he's like a egotistical hothead. Yeah, he's been he's been holding on to the top spot for the longest time to so, the point where now people are asking questions. I have the opening. Okay. So the opening is we crane down and we see Chris Hemsworth just brutally beating the shit out of another wrestler into in the in the ring. Yeah. We're at like a SummerSlam or something or even just a regular, you know, Monday night. What whatever arena will let us in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um and it's at the end of the match. So basically what happens is we have the ref trying not to get the three count because he 
doesn't want even the ref doesn't want him to win. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah. But Hemsworth Two. just basically forces it. <laughs> mm-hmm. We crane back up into one of the suites through the window, and we see Ben Stiller just going ape shit, breaking everything in the suite, throwing the bottles of champagne, the lobster, all of like the the big stuff, because he's just so fed up with Chris Hemsworth's character, but can't do anything <laughs> about it. Yep. That's I wonder intro. why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's that's where you uh put that question into the into the audience's head, right? So yep. we start off that way. And then we'll just have to introduce I, I think we don't introduce L until a little bit further in. We need to meet the characters in the wrestling corporation. Mm-hmm. So I mean what, Oh, definitely. I mean, we could do um, you know, sort of, and even I, I like it when they do this in sports movies, use the actual cameras that they use for broadcast. We can oh, do sure, like yeah. a couple quick highlights of a show to introduce these people in character. Yeah. Like a promo and and, and part of a match and things like that. Just Absolutely, so you know what kind yeah. of people you're dealing with. Yeah. And, and we can have Stephen Graham and Steve Carell doing the uh, announcing or the, the, yeah. s- the commentary over the intro so we can see. And even them, like, both of their like uh cadence is kind of like and he and any and he wins again he, he yeah. won again <laughs> uh, uh, truly a shock to all of us here in the arena and to all of you at home i'm sure and then we can cut away from the actual like uh broadcast to have them covering the mics and be like wasn't wasn't he actually supposed to go down in this match just just a, a completely <laughs> different vibe when everyone's backstage yeah and that's what we do we need to show the difference between the characters that they play and the humans that they oh, yeah. are i think well, that's hemsworth, a really good dichotomy hemsworth is always in character <laughs> yeah hemsworth is never not in character because his character is just douchey ego head that's yeah. all he is that doesn't work for me brother <laughs> I was trying to think of like what could he use instead of brothers like son but now that that comes across as like too like <laughs> uh cuz yeah cuz he uses but he doesn't say cuz he says cousin Cause, oh god you listen to me cousin <laughs> so, let me tell you something that all my fans at home know every man and woman in this world they're my cousins they're my blood. <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> It means I got love in my heart. <laughs> so we, uh, so we this. introduce we introduce Elle Fanning as a new writer for the series. Yep, she is. Is she a fan? Is or like is she pretending to be a fan that like finally got hired? Uh, I think it's all an act. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she's a fan. She's pretending to be a fan. We have to have her get caught up a couple times because she doesn't know shit about wrestling. Yeah. So there's like, a couple Oh my times. God, he's bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. It, he's got a little razor. Yeah. We, his, his yeah. It, it, people love it. There's tax on the, on the mat. We just haven't dropped down on it. <laughs> <laughs> so as. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is her thing that she's going into this knowing she's uncovering something or does she stumble on it? I think. A good way to do it is she's going in because she wants to write a book that will expose the inner secrets of the business and how it works. And then she stumbles onto the story. Okay. Because my thought was literally that she's just desperate for a job and gets a job as a wrestling writer. 
and has no idea what's going on and then falls into it. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that too. That's kind of a cool way. Like, you know, her priorities change like three times. Yeah. Because she's just like, I landed a job. I need to keep this job because I need to pay my rent. And then yeah. as she's uncovering these things, she's like, well, I still need to pay my rent. So what do I do here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like yeah. it. There's a way I can get rich off this, surely. <laughs> and you said uh, Reggae Jean-Paul is kind of who they're trying to push to be the new face of the wrestling company. He's he's, he's the guy who like should be like he's white hot. Uh, people are into selling a lot of T-shirts. OK, uh, but like they're not letting this whole Hulkamania thing go. <laughs> Hemsomania, Hemsworth, yeah. and Hemsworth, your while. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so as she progresses and starts discovering these things, does she have like a uh, a confidant or anything like that? Yeah, Rashida Rashida Jones, head of costuming. Perfect. Oh, head of costuming, beautiful. I love it. Rashida Jones basically just becomes her confidant and like they start uncovering this shit together. Yeah. Like, let's take these sweaty assholes down. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you have Ben Stiller playing a Vince McMahon, then we know that he's also a piece of shit. So it's not like Elle Fanning is doing this to like get Ben Stiller out of hot water. She wants to dis- she wants to expose all of them. Oh yeah. She, she I think she's going to find uh, an enormous amount of skeletons in the closet. <laughs> Uh, okay, where do to, we go to from To your there? point, I, I liked the notion of, um, from your pitch, this sort of disguising criminal activities under a soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, like, you know, the, the apex of this, like, her first discovery is that uh, Hensworth is blackmailing Ben Stiller with his right. sexual improprieties. Um, and that's how he's maintaining the championship. I think, like, the next layer to this is that, like, the company's big charity initiative, like, for the kids, they're 100% mm-hmm. laundering money. Oh, uh, okay, yep. I can see that. That's good. That's like the, that's the big thing. And I mean, is that the blackmail that Hemsworth has over Stiller? Or is it just multiple things? It's just it's a multiple bunch of things. Shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just it's, like it's, everything you could possibly get in trouble for. Ben Stiller's yeah. character does. <laughs> and, and nobody's like looked into it before because people fully believe that wrestling is like a real, you know, undetermined combat sport. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, and he his job is just to rent out arenas and let them go. <laughs> That's not what it is at all. <laughs> That's great. So how do we? How does she uncover it? Where does she go? What do we do? Hmm. Okay. So how? All right. So how does first of all she discover what's going on with Hemsworth and Stiller? That's a good question. I mean, is it as simple as she basically just overhears a meeting? Is it something a little bit more? Is it something a little bit more intricate? You know, I think she's like continually pitching ideas to do things with with Paige and Perry's characters because of like how popular they are. Yeah, she actually just maybe she actually just likes them. She likes his like uh, yeah his enthusiasm and his like she he's got a good uh, I don't know what's the word <laughs> work ethic. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, you know, so like people are really like responding to them in a way. Like I've noticed people are kind of like you know settling into their seats during the main event match. Why don't we you know. When we give this guy a push, yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, no, yeah, creative, uh, creative is currently, uh, you know, we're running a different storyline right now, and uh, we're oh, locked and, into it. And then the good thing about that—that's Ben Stiller saying that—but she starts talking to like the other writers, and she's obviously realizing that the other writers are like, no, we're fucking sick of Hemsworth's character. 
yeah we, we kind of want to get past it too so she's realizing something's not adding up ben stiller is saying that the writers don't want to move that direction but the writers are saying they do yeah so he's so been the start... same thing for like five years yeah yeah yeah. and and it's kind of like she's trying to get them on board to kind of like move the ball mm-hmm. like look we're the <laughs> writers why don't we just change it and they're like yeah but he pays our salary so yeah. what do you want us to do <laughs> It's we like can pitch kind of... any type of storyline we want. It doesn't mean that it's going to get approved. <laughs> yeah, we've been in limbo for a while. <laughs> they have a whole whiteboard or something of all the different storylines that they want to pitch, and they're all just sitting there, never yep. having been used. Uh... Hemsworth comes into the room every like week and just takes down some of the post-it notes yeah. that don't have his name on it. <laughs> I'm going to need an extra 15 for this promo here, brother. Cousin. <laughs> Cousin. <laughs> Why does he call everyone cousin? We don't know. It's just annoying is what it is. <laughs> he doesn't know anyone's name. <laughs> that guy's name is actually Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What a it's Jim Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. He refuses. Refuses to call him Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So how does she bring the whole thing toppling down? Because... I don't know. This is one of those times that we have these type of episodes where we pitch something and it's always, it always comes down to does nothing happen? Does everything happen? Everything. You know, everything. Yes. Let there be justice. Everything comes crashing down. Mm-hmm. So maybe then Stiller gets removed as chairman. Maybe he's not a, what is it like a main stockholder or whatever it's called? 51% that. Type yeah. Of stuff. Yeah. Um, maybe it's him and Hemsworth get basically just destroyed. Something comes out about Hemsworth, right? We need to have blackmail on him. Not just the fact that he is blackmailing Stiller. He has just the smallest dick. <laughs> that's, that's the blackmail. And that that's... suddenly all the fans just don't care about him anymore. Yeah. Like that's such a huge chick in his armor that it's like, I don't think this guy's cool at all. <laughs> he, he's he got a micro penis. Yeah. That's not cool. <laughs> Was any of this cool? No, I personally, I never liked it. Like, no, start, none of the Shut the fuck up, like Todd. That. Yeah. <laughs> Like, that's how fickle wrestling fans can be. So I like that. You just, like, yeah. show in one way that he's completely fallible. And yeah, they just yeah, turn yeah. on you. Because it's just an ego trip for him. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so he's gone. Stiller's yep. gone. And now Tyler Perry becomes the new CEO yeah. of the company. President and general manager. <laughs> yep. But we do it where it shows that they're actually good guys. So they're not just forcing reggae's character to be the face of the company they're letting him build up they're not like well i'm in charge now yeah yeah Yeah. and even reggae is like no i don't want to just take over everything like we need to build me up we need to get and that's how like Elle fanning kind of sticks around she's like no we need to build him up we need to like get him into a furiously writing at the at the whiteboard for the first time in years yeah 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 Steve Carell, Stephen Graham are, are happy with their jobs again. So animated, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the new the new costumes look amazing because Rashida's like passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, it's got some edge to it finally instead of just spandex. <laughs> and this is and that's how we actually enter into the new era of their wrestling company. What's it? Oh, hold on, I want to like let's see real quick. 
thesaurus for attitude. The <laughs> oh, attitude no. era. The attitude <laughs> era is now the demeanor decade. <laughs> the demeanor decade. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Look, oh, it's man. wrestling. It doesn't need to be good. It just needs to be fun. <laughs> yeah. If we if we do a good job with this, wrestling fans will hate us, and I love oh, that. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe we can bring on like Scott Can and uh, and um, David Arquette. Yeah, I know. I know was, some wrestlers who are good actors. We can get them in there. What was that movie that they did together? What was it? Was it called Royal Rumble? It was something Ready to like Rumble. that. Uh, I know that WCW actually put their championship belt on David Arquette to promote it. Yes, I do. Remember. I think it was called Ready to Rumble. Which yes, is it part was. of part of the beginning of the end of that company. People just go, like, David Arquette is the heavyweight champion of the world. I'm starting to think this is fake. <laughs> I don't think he. Oh, Goldberg was in that movie. Yeah, he so was. He was a WCW guy. Yeah, all of them WCW guys. Yeah, yeah. I always got confused because they were also like they were in WCW and WWE at like the same time. Um. So Sting noticeably, he's he's probably my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, oh, really? And he's a notoriously loyal guy. And he came up through WCW. And when that company went under and Vince McMahon bought it, it they, basically people were offered, uh, you could either come and get a job working at WWE, uh, or you could just wait out to the end of your contract. We'll keep paying you and you'll get your release. And Sting noticeably did not join wwe for a very long time yeah because um, he was a lot older when he was in the wwe right wasn't he yeah when, like he, his when he came 40s? yeah when he came back he was his mid-late 40s um because they had just been like people really want to see you and he was wrestling for other smaller companies yeah damn um, 63 just, yeah because he had taken he had taken it very very seriously um that kind of rivalry between the two companies so hmm. actually when he did make a few appearances in wwe it was a big deal you know, he said something about the the name Flash. One of his ring names was Blade Runner Flash. <laughs> yeah, he was on a team called the Blade Runner, <laughs> Blade which Runner. was a ripoff of uh, the Road Warriors. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember them. Mm-hmm. One of them is one of them passed, right? Or both yes. of them passed? Yes, uh, one of them passed. Yeah, yeah and of I course the Road that. Warriors were a ripoff of the Road Warrior, <laughs> the film. Oh yeah, because they're just dressed like two of the guys. Oh, from the they movie. are. I never yeah. put that together. Yep. Granted, I only saw Road Warrior for the first time like four days ago, but <laughs> it's it was so easy for a very long time to trick Vince McMahon in, into letting you be a character from a movie you liked. Oh, both like, of them have passed. Oh, they're both gone now. Road Warrior Hawk died in 2003 and Road yeah. Warrior Animal died in 2020. Oh, wow. I missed that about Animal. But like there's another, a notable story about this wrestler uh, who passed away last year named Scott Hall who uh, went to Vince McMahon and said, I want to play this character. Uh, I'm going to do a, a Hispanic accent. I'm going to call myself the bad guy. Uh, my character name can be Razor Ramon. And he, he, he was doing Scarface. <laughs> and Vince had never seen it. And he was like, this is fucking brilliant. This is just going straight back to what we were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, he died too. He just died last year. Yeah. That was sad. God, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. The amount of, uh yeah they weren't uh they weren't taken care of nope not at all i remember watching recently very recently something about uh with roddy piper 
a, a couple a year or two before he passed he was on some type of interview about the yeah. wrestling stuff and he was talking about i was like we don't get our pension till 45 or whatever or whatever 65. 65 yeah and he's like look at me i'm not making 65 and then he died like two years later yeah I, I, that was on real sports with brian grumble um, yeah, when, yeah. They, when they show that in retrospect uh he, he had meant a lot to me as a kid that actually that, that got me really upset. he did to me too just because of the movies i i i oh, don't he was know such a fun actor <laughs> yeah i don't know anything about wrestling in the eight anything before like 95 i don't know anything my wrestling knowledge is basically 1995 to like 2008 that's my whole wrestling knowledge yeah that was that was kind of the golden age but um yeah. roddy was wrestling in the mid 90s in wcw mm-hmm. um mostly kind of there to be a foil to hogan sometimes but uh yeah, his his heyday had been more of the early '90s and late '80s in WWF. So, and of course, he's fucking hilarious, and it's always sunny. So, such a fun kid. I'm the animal. <laughs> <laughs> so good, just living out of his car. The maniac. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. You're my best friends. I don't know this person very well. Why did he say that? <laughs> All right, I think we have. Um, I think we have a movie here. And, yeah, I, li- uh, I like the vibes on this one. Yeah, this is a fun one. Um, yeah, I think I think we got it. I don't think there's really much else uh, to go through there. Uh, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for sticking around. This was a longer one because we, we went off on some tangents. But you know what? Whatever. That's fun. That means we're having a good time, which generally means it's a better show. <laughs> That's true. Episode 62. This was 61. Episode 62. Who knows? Maybe we'll do something a little bit more different something a little bit in a different format uh yeah. maybe we'll do a cast in the cradle maybe we can throw that in there or something little boy if, you, the man in the <laughs> if you guys have recommendations on a movie series a book series that you would like us to pitch as a new film or something like that please send it our way on twitter or on facebook uh email us you guys know where to find us wdyg podcast at gmail.com what do you got on twitter uh share your thoughts and ideas we'd love to take those and run with them and uh call them our own and not give you any credit also just recommend movies to us we like movies please (laughs) please rob and i do that to each other constantly yep and uh usually it turns out really well (laughs) (laughs) it's not honestly it's not very often that you or i recommend each other a movie that we go "Mm, it wasn't really for me you know We we have we have similar tastes in terms yeah, of like we kind of know each other's qualities. styles too yeah. yeah. Um so thank you again for joining us. We're going to I'm not even going to announce uh Gifted Faker joining as a guest star for a specific episode just cuz her schedule is so crazy. We will get her on as soon as we can. Um you once make we have a, a she's a legitimate celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> once we have an actual scheduled uh recording date with her then we will announce the episode that it will be. <laughs> I hope it's 66. 60. I hope it's 69. Nice. Canceled. I got nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time, I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. What Do You Got is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Vice. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Vice. 